Hello and welcome to episode 537 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. It is my pleasure to be with you this morning. My name is Terrence M. Stanton. We are recording on Sunday, May 21st, 2023, in the year of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us begin with St. Alphonsus Liguri's Sunday prayer to the Most Blessed Virgin Mary to obtain the forgiveness of our sins. Behold, O Mother of God, at thy feet a miserable sinner, a slave of hell, who has recourse to thee and trusts in thee. I do not deserve that thou shouldest even look at me, but I know that thou, having seen thy son die for the salvation of sinners, hast the greatest desire to help them. I hear all call thee the refuge of sinners, the hope of those who are in despair, and the help of the abandoned. Thou art then my refuge, my hope, and my help. Thou hast to save me by thy intercession. Help me for the love of Jesus Christ. Extend thy hand to a miserable creature who has fallen and recommends himself to thee. I know that thy pleasure is to help a sinner to thy utmost. Help me, therefore, now that thou canst do so. By my sins I have lost divine grace, and with it my soul. I now place myself in thy hands. Tell me what I must do to recover the favor of my Lord, and I will immediately do it. He sends me to thee, that thou mayest help me, and he wills that I should have recourse to thy mercy that not only the merits of thy Son, but also that thy intercession may help me to save my soul. To thee, then, I have recourse. Do thou, who prayest for so many others, pray also to Jesus for me. Ask him to pardon me, and he will forgive me. Tell him that thou desirest my salvation, and he will save me. Show how thou canst enrich those who trust in thee. Amen. Thus I hope, thus may it be. May all the words that I speak Be so many arrows dipped in the blood of thy sacred heart, O Jesus, to pierce the hearts of all who hear them with love for thee. Amen. Holy face of Jesus of the veil of Veronica. Dear Lord, through the immaculate heart of Mary, I offer these prayers in reparation for the sins which most offend God in our times, blasphemy, the profanation of Sunday and holy days, and communism. Paternoster, quies in celis. Sanctificator nomen tuam, adveniat regnam tuam, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, panam nostrum quotidianam de nobis hodie, et dimite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitibus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libra nos amalo. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria Mater Dei, ora per nobis peccatoribus, nunc et honor mortis nostri. Amen. Gloria Patri, et Filio, et Spiritui Sancto, sicut erat in principio, et nunc et semper, et in saecula saeculorum. Amen. The Golden Arrow Prayer. May the most holy, most sacred, most adorable, most mysterious, and unutterable name of God be praised, blessed, loved, adored, and glorified in heaven, on earth, and in the hells, by all God's creatures, and by the sacred heart of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Amen. For the defeat of communists, Freemasons, and all revolutionary men. Eternal Father, I offer thee the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ and all the instruments of his holy passion, that thou mayest put division in the camp of thy enemies. For as thy beloved Son hath said, a kingdom divided against itself shall fall. Eternal Father, we offer thee the holy face of Jesus, covered with blood, sweat, dust, and spittle, in reparation of the cri- for the crimes of communists, blasphemers, and for the profaners of the holy name and of the holy day of Sunday. Amen.
God of goodness and Father of mercies, we beseech thee, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary and by the intercession of the patriarchs and holy apostles, to look with compassion upon the remnant of Israel, so that they may come to a knowledge of our only Savior, Jesus Christ, and share in the precious graces of redemption. Amen. Today, friends, I would like to take a look at an explanation of the Sunday readings from Father John Zulsdorf. This is available at 1peter5.com, and it is entitled, Sunday After Ascension Thursday, The Real Cover-Up. Father Z begins by saying, We have attained during the week the feast of the ascension of the Lord, and this is the Sunday that falls between that mysterious event and the descent of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. All the events of the life of the Lord are mysterious, but some are more momentous than others. This is certainly the case with his ascension to the Father. Before diving into our epistle for this Sunday's Mass, which is our task each week this year, permit me to make a few two brief points about the ascension. Firstly, when the Lord ascended to the Father, our humanity ascended into heaven. Our humanity, body and soul, was taken by the Son into an unbreakable bond with his divinity. When Christ rose from the tomb, our humanity rose in him. When he ascended to heaven, so also did we. In Christ, our humanity now sits at the Father's right hand. His presence there is our great promise and hope, a promise and a hope already fulfilled, but not yet in its fullness of fulfillment. That hope and promise informs our trials in this life as Christians, members of Christ's mystical person. Preaching on 17 May 445, Pope St. Leo I, also known as Pope St. Leo the Great, said of our faith, The faith, reinforced by the ascension of the Lord and strengthened by the gift of the Holy Spirit, has not been terrified by chains, by prison, by exile, by hunger, by fire, by the mangling of wild beasts, nor by sharp suffering from the cruelty of persecutors. Throughout the world, not only men, but also women, not just immature boys, but also tender virgins, have struggled on behalf of this faith even to the shedding of their blood. This faith has cast out demons, driven away sicknesses, and raised the dead. Father Z continues, The knowledge that our humanity is now enjoying heaven can work wonders for us in the hour of need. Keep this in mind in time of trial. Secondly, after his resurrection, Christ had to begin teaching his disciples who knew him in the flesh and through their instruction inform us who have not seen and have yet believed. John 20 verse 29, a new way of relating to him. He would not let Mary Magdalene cling to him on the morning of the resurrection. When he broke bread at Emmaus and the disciples recognized him, he disappeared. Christ would then come and go, suddenly appearing to the apostles and then unappearing, rather than stay with them most of the time except to go apart to pray. We must have a relationship with Christ as he is, not how he isn't. Now he is gloriously risen. Now we meet him not in the flesh and worldly clothing so easy to grasp, but rather in the person of the poor, the person of the priest, every word of scripture, and especially in the Eucharist. His being with us is a real and true with us, but it is mediated, sacramental, 
We are intimately bound to him and he to us in the church. Our faith in this unbreakable bond of head and body calls us to be clean and worthy of this saving intimacy. Thirdly, and this is what really makes my socks roll up and down, is that with his ascension to heaven, Christ, the high priest, is now at the heavenly altar, eternally offering his sacrifice to the Father. This means that his high priestly action is in eternity and not just in points of historical time. This is an implication of the new way of relating to him, not just in the worldly sense. The immense implication of all of this is that by having our high priest in heaven and eternity, what he does is still present to us. By the ascension, all the transformative mysteries of the passion and resurrection are still available to us. The action and effects of the Last Supper continuous with Calvary and the empty tomb are not bound by clocks, calendars, or by geographical location. The high priest in heaven now guarantees that we can have many masses at many altars at the same time, many communions. Christ is not just in this host and then that host, but in every host not just on this altar, but now every altar. There isn't just one priest now acting in Christ's person, but many. This is what Christ accomplished in his ascension to the Father. Do we have space for our Sunday reading? Yes, if I don't try to tackle too much. Once we heard from the apostle Jesus loved John on the Sunday after Easter, Dominica and Albis, 1 John 5 verses 4 through 10. We heard from the apostle who loved Jesus most, Peter, on the second, 1 Peter 2, verses 21 through 25, and third, 1 Peter 2, verses 11 through 19. Sundays after Easter, Peter turned us over to another of the apostles, James, for the fourth, James 1, 17 through 21, and fifth, James 1, 21 through 27, Sundays. On this sixth Sunday after Easter, Sunday after the ascension of the Lord, we are back with Peter in 1 Peter 4, verses 7 through 11. Beloved, keep sane and sober for your prayers. Above all, hold unfailing your love for one another, since love covers a multitude of sins. Practice hospitality ungrudgingly to one another, as each has received a gift. Employ it for one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks, as one who utters oracles of God, whoever renders service, as one who renders it by the strength which God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I keep rattling on about context. In reading around for this week's attempt at keeping your attention, I found an interesting observation by Blessed Alfonso Schuster, the great liturgist, Benedictine abbot, and then Cardinal Archbishop of Milan. Schuster opined that Peter wrote this, on the morrow of the burning of Rome under Nero and on the eve of the human pyres in the Circus Vaticanus. On the morrow, that's either the day after or at least soon after, the Circus Vaticanus is the stadium built by Caligula where Peter would die, next to where St. Peter's Basilica now towers. You know the tale, probably true, of how the weirdo Emperor Nero had Christians burned as torches after the great fire of 64 AD. 
Christians were blamed for the fire which destroyed in particular the part of Rome on the Appian Hill where Nero just happened to want to build a vast new palace. His Domus Aura, Golden House, parts of it still exist today and can be seen because the subsequent emperors covered it over and built other things on top of it. The point is, however, that the letter of Peter, which as we have seen in weeks past concerns Christian faith, hope, and charity, conduct of life under persecution. In fact, Sunday's reading in the Vedas Ordo begins not with 1 Peter 4, 7, but rather 1 Peter, 1 Peter 4, 7b. What is verse 7 in its entirety? The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, keep sane and sober for your prayers. For those Christians of Rome in the time of Nero, it was the end of all things, but the beginning of everything. As St. Augustine wrote, and as we pray in the preface for the dead at Requiem Masses, life is changed, not ended. By the way, this paracope we are looking at is not read in the Novus Ordo on any Sunday. The next bit is, however, read on the seventh Sunday of Easter, sixth Sunday after Easter, right? First Peter four thirteen through 19. But skipping the intermediary, intermediary verse 12. Why? Perhaps it isn't quite abstract enough. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal which comes upon you to prove you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Fire is scary. In 1 Peter 1, verse 7, the vicar of Christ and bishop of Rome wrote of our trials, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, which though perishable is tested by fire, may redound to praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In 2 Peter 3, verse 10, the apostle says that at the end of things and at the return of the Lord, the heavens will pass away with a loud noise and the elements will be dissolved with fire and the earth and the works that are upon it will be burned up. The still lacerated heart is still a burning furnace of charity. See Litany of the Sacred Heart. At the beginning of the epistle reading, we hear, above all, hold unfailing your love for one another, since love covers a multitude of sins. What is the love spoken of here? In Greek, it is agape, which is the highest form of love. That is God's love for us and our love of God and our sacrificial love charity for our neighbor. It could be that Peter is drawing on his own knowledge of the scriptures he had in his lifetime, which we identify mostly as the Old Testament. In Proverbs ten twelve, we have, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. In Psalm 32, 1, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. And I want to draw in the image used by Paul in Romans twelve twenty which also is concerned with how people should treat each other, stressing the very things that Peter addresses in his letter. Paul tells the Romans, where Peter was, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink. For by so doing, 
you will heap burning coals upon his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. In ancient Egypt, for example, those who did penance carried a container of hot coals on their heads. So this isn't just a poetic image. It is connected directly to recognition of wrong having been done and doing penance for it. Heaping hot coals on someone's head isn't an admonition to vengeance. It is a call to charity. Charity does not excuse sin or make it non-sin. In fact, go to confession. Seeking the true good of another with sacrificial love urges us to find the right way to deal with the offenses others commit against us and those offenses which we ourselves have committed. This is not a shallow cover-up or a whitewashing of sin and its origins and implications. It is a radical overturning of our reaction toward offenses, which has as its perfect model the cross of Calvary. Cover the hurts and those who hurt and have been hurt and who will be hurt again with the cleansing coals ignited from the wound in the burning furnace of charity. Heart of Jesus, have mercy on us. Sagacious words, my friends, from Father John Zulsdorf. That word agape, the highest form of love, the charity that we need to have for everyone. Our Lord tells us to love our enemies, do good to those who persecute you, a truly revolutionary line of thought, but that's what we are commanded to do. And once again, if we are to have a true revolution in this world, it will not come about through politics or economics or the military. We need a revolution of love. We need a revolution of truth. Because as Dr. Peter Crave says, there's nothing more important in life than truth and love. There is an utter lack of truth in our society, an utter, an utter lack of love. People are calling lust love all the time, just living degenerate lifestyles and pretending that it's love. No, we have to embrace reality. We have to embrace our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We have to do his will in all things and ask him for the grace to do his specific will for our lives with our every thought, word, and action. Because God has a plan for your life. It certainly does not involve sinful behavior. It involves living a virtuous lifestyle in whatever your state in life. Husband and father, wife and mother, sister, brother, student, friend, doctor, lawyer, politician, electrician, priest, single person, wherever you are, in whatever your state in life, you are called to holiness. It's not just something for priests and religious. We are all called to be great saints. Don't miss the opportunity, as Mother Angelica used to say at the opening of EWTN live. May she rest in peace. Let's all be great saints. Let's ask the Lord for the grace to become great saints. And let us conclude, my friends, by mentioning helping autism 
through learning and outreach available on the web at halo-soma.org. That's halo-soma.org. And also tune in to episode 277 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast and ask your friends and family to do the same. On that episode with my magnificent sister and equally magnificent niece, we discuss RPM, which is an acronym for Rapid Prompting Method, a system of communication for non-speakers. And just as sign language was a tremendous breakthrough for the deaf, so RPM has been a tremendous breakthrough for the non-speaking community. Communication is a human right. You can imagine how frustrated you would be if you weren't able to communicate at all to your friends, to your families, to tell them your hopes and your dreams and your fears, your anxieties, just to tell them anything. If that wasn't open to you, you would feel like you were in a prison. So let's open the prison gate as it was and let the words of communication flow to non-speakers. RPM is the key to that. Let's get the word out there once again. H-A-L-O hyphen S-O-M-A dot org and also episode 277 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. Let's pray for help and for healing for our non-speaking friends and family members at this time. Almighty and eternal God, healer of those who trust in you through the intercession of St. Raphael Archangel, hear my prayer for non-speakers and their families. In your tender mercy, restore them to spiritual and bodily health that they may give you thanks, praise your name, and proclaim your wondrous love to all. I ask this through Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. The Memorare to St. Joseph. Remember, O most chaste spouse of the Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto you, my spiritual father, and beg your protection. O foster father of the Redeemer, despise not my petitions, but in your goodness, hear and answer me. Amen. The three Hail Marys in honor of the Immaculate Purity of Our Lady of Fatima. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tua mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in mortis nostrae. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tua mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in mortis nostrae. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tua mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in mortis nostrae. Amen. And a Gloria Patri for a special intention. Gloria Patri et Filio et Spiritui Sancto, sicut erat in principio et nunc et semper et in secula seculorum, Amen. Sweetheart of Mary, be the salvation of Russia, Spain, Portugal, Europe, the United States of America, Canada, and the whole world. Virgo potens, ora pronobis. Sancti Joseph, terra daimonem, ora pronobis. Sancta Raphael Archangeli, ora pronobis. In nomine Patris et Fili et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Thank you very kindly, my friends, for listening to episode 537 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. In your charity, please share Our Lady's podcast with everyone you know. Follow us on Twitter. The handle is at Fatima Podcast. If you believe Our Lady's podcast is worthy of it, 
give us a five-star rating and review at Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to this show. We greatly appreciate that. But most importantly, offer up prayers and sacrifices for our Catholic bishops. Goodbye, and God love you.